Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. I thank you for joining us here on the program. I uh, am changing things up a little bit on these programs these days because... I want to jump right into our guest. Uh, he's a returning guest to our program, Dr. Joseph uh, Cardillo, and uh, he uh, has written uh, a number of books that we're going to be talking about uh, throughout the program. One in particular, The Twelve Rules of Attention, which is uh, what our last program was about, among other things. But we are going to be discussing other things. And uh, uh, Doc, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I enjoy the show and our conversation so much. I really appreciate being on. Thank you. You know, it's uh, it's uh, um, I'm almost weary uh, of of trying to come up with different new terms and phrases to describe uh, where we are in this world today. As you and I speak, the conversation as our conversation is unfolding, the things that are happening are around us, outside of us. Uh, which is why, of course, we've been promoting uh, on this program for <clears throat> over a year and a half. Uh, initially, it was the, uh, you know, 2020, the year of perfect vision. Now it's the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. And um, encouraging people to go within. This is where they're really going to find the answers that they need for themselves as individuals, you know, that mm. they need to um, find that still, quiet, peaceful place. When uh, you're putting a, a pen to paper or fingers to keyboard uh, and you're putting down into words the, the, the things that come to you, for example, the, the 12 rules of attention, uh, which um, is uh, now available uh, in French uh, for those French-speaking individuals, um, I'm curious as to... Your uh, I, and I, <laughs> no disrespect here. Your state of mind, no. <laughs> you, <laughs> where you are, I mean, do you do you just jump in because okay, I'm really feeling led. I need to write some stuff down. I need I need <clears throat> to, and I know that you have contracts with the publisher where you've got to have a book in so many months or years or what have you. But the book isn't. It just doesn't come. I mean, it's it's not like. I have five books and I'm going to, you know, and I'm just going to go down the list and I'm going to write each one of them. Usually it's one at a time and one leads to the next, which leads to the next. It's like an evolutionary process. What's it? What is, if I may ask in this context, uh, uh, from a literary perspective, what is your process? Well, <clears throat> you know, it comes from a couple of different angles and all of the angles um, attach to two, two areas, it seems, if I want to whittle it right down. Uh, the first area is the inspiration or the vision itself. And in a way, in a way, that's pretty difficult for me and, and possibly for other people, because you want to make sure that you're seeing this subject that you want to speak about or write about in this case you want to make sure that you're seeing it in its completeness and from an angle that is the angle you want to share with others, because unless you're writing for yourself, you have to consider that mm -hmm. the, the other person. Then there's a whole other area to this. Um, my wife, uh, my wife uh, taught creative writing for, for 17 years uh, at various colleges. 
Uh, and she and I often, <laughs> she, she's one of my, she's one of my best editors, honestly, but, but she and I often have conversations about, you know, what is it that makes something good? And so my process includes that thought, like, what is it that makes it good? And I am, I kind of, because of, I guess my own nature it's a personal thing. I go to the vision part first. So what am I seeing? Can I share that with somebody else? Can I take it? Like if it were a photograph, if I crop it down, is that angle the part that's that, that, that we can share and, and, and everybody uh, feels an enrichment from and a growth from? Um, and then, and then the, the other thing that my wife and I talk about a lot is, th- is that enough in some cases, it is mm-hmm. because if the vision is strong enough, we'll we'll forgive anything, you know. We'll we'll forgive the way it's being told. I you know I once read a, a friend of mine, uh, you know, a, a wonderful mathematician, uh, uh, had said to me, uh, I'm, "I'm thinking I'm going to tell you who he is, but I'm going to leave that private for now." But he had he had offered a book to me at one time, and he said he, he said. He was actually teaching a course where he picked his favorite books and 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 graduate students would would discuss those books. He felt that these were some of his the best books he'd ever read in his life. And there were it was a short list. So he shared one with me that was right at right near the top, I believe. And he said, here, read this. He said, this is one of the books that kind of changed the way I see things. And I read it. And I got to say, it was the most awfully written thing I'd ever read. <laughs> it was really <laughs> difficult. It was awful, but it was tremendous. It was one of the best things I ever read. And, you know, I, I loved it to death. And it got me thinking in all kinds of new, different ways because the vision was so strong. It didn't matter if the person was pure scientist and not writer. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter because the science was so profound that he, he taught me life lessons that, that I'll, I'll be unraveling for years. Mm. And this was probably 10 years ago, you know, that I read that. So the vision, the stronger the vision, the more people will put up with as far as the structure is concerned for me, because, you know, I'm not going to put myself, you know, and say my vision is so awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, yeah. uh, but, but I'm going to look at, so I look at the structure too. So I have to spend time having a, you know, a structure without a structure. I, I, I feel that you know, I got to know that I can deliver that vision and the structure kind of helps me crop it as well. So you can you can discover more about the vision if for me, if it's structured. Mm. And so I have a structure, but I never stick to it, whatever I think, (laughs) because you haven't written the book yet. So it's funny. It's it's like I don't think any, you know, very seldom do we do we not go back and rewrite the beginning chapters again, because when we start writing it, we don't know how we're going to end up. And that's the best part. Because if we already know how to where we're going to end up, then what, you know, there's no discovery and discovery is the whole thing. Uh, that moment of discovery is just so wonderful. And, you know, you didn't you're in a subject and you think, OK, this is it. This is it. And then you start rolling. You go, oh, that's not it. It's this. Oh, no, it's this. And then all of a sudden, in the end, you go, I think it was this. 
<laughs> and and then you got to go back and yeah. And, but 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 that that part of the process that structuring it's kind of like surfing. You're kind of rebalancing all the time. So the the initial structure is never going to be what it turns out to be. Uh, somebody once said to me, you know, we we read books and we think that the that they came out of the person's head just like this. That nothing could be farther from the truth. Mm. It's not the way it works. It, you know, you discover it, and the element of discovery. If you really have that surge of discovery, the reader will feel it. Do you find, as you've described it, and uh, that uh, sometimes as you're writing, you are surprised by what's in front of you? Yeah, all the time. And and I'm hoping that happens. I want to be I want to be surprised. Sometimes I want to be shocked. Like mm. I didn't expect it to be this. Yeah. You know. And and that's the whole fun of it. Yeah. Somebody once asked me. They said, Oh, you know, why don't you write something else? You know, you're, you know, you're writing nonfiction. You know, and why don't you do some? And I, and I say, you know, they say, Well, is is where's the fun? And the fun is in you know. Again, it's like you're panning for gold. You know, and you're just you're getting normal stuff, normal stuff, normal stuff on the hope that every once in a while you're going to find a nugget that's really on target and that you didn't even know was there. If, it, if you didn't even know it was there, all the better. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself uh, and, and I I will use this uh, term, this word in a ge- very general sense initially channeling some of this information? It just kind of it's like. It's not really coming from you, but coming <clears throat> through you. You ever get that sense? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because um, in, in different ways. I, I, the most tangible way is that, you know, I, I, I'll, give, I'll give an example from someone else because it's a better example than what I have. It's, more, it's, it's even more tangible. Um, I, I don't remember uh, the name of the, the researcher exactly um, at the moment, um, but, but he, he was looking through old texts, and I, I believe they were biopsychological. The, 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 the focus was biopsychological. Um, and he was looking through old texts that were like, <clears throat> you know, a hundred years old and then, and, and then maybe a little more recent, but, but old texts and, and what he was looking for was, and I just found this a profound moment. What he was looking for is the references in the back that that particular text was based on. Hmm. So here's this great information from a hundred years ago. And it, but it was based any, if you've got a book of nonfiction, just check it out. It'll, it's, it's a lot of fun. He looked in the back and he would look at all the books and articles and so on that this particular theme or focus was based on so what that told him and and me through him was that the first writer or the writer of the book the writer of the book he was reading extrapolated his theory 
at least a large chunk of it, from all this stuff. And if you looked at all that stuff, you'd say, but what you extrapolated, zeroed in on, and expanded into this wonderful theory or book that we're all enjoying was only a particle of all that stuff. And so what he was doing in the library in the evenings and late into the night was looking at all those references, all those citations to see, and then he'd go find them. And he wanted to read them himself. And he would read them to see what the writer that he loved so much might have missed. Was mm. there something else there? You, he got this incredible thing. And, and lots of times in research, this happens, that we, we find this great nugget. And so we zero in on that. We write about it. In some cases, it makes a big splash. And then there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands pages of research experiment and so on that went on the periphery some of which could be more important than what this fellow zeroed in on in the first place and in a way what you're doing is you're 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 streaming the information of generations into your own vision and using it to shape what's going on now why should i for example, why should I just rely on this one particular theory or theme, great as it is? Why should I rely on that and not know everything else that helped shape that and that was rejected by that? Maybe something that was rejected should not have been rejected. Mm -hmm. And many times that's the case. Somebody finds something and says, well, wait a minute, you know, this was 100 years ago and we all kind of jumped on the bandwagon and went along with it. But there was this piece of information here. You interpreted it one way, but today with all the additional information we have, the instruments that we have, everything else we have, we, we can interpret it in a different way that brings us closer to, I don't want to say truth, but truth is part of it. It doesn't have to be truth. It could bring us closer to an answer that we're looking for. And when we find the answer, that's closer to the truth that we need at the moment. So there's that kind of channeling that's kind of like intergenerational passage of information. Um, but then, you know, I know that <laughs> I know I know that that, for example, the poet Allen Ginsberg, you know, really believed that he could channel the poet William, the romantic poet William Blake. You know, we, many, many of your listeners will know William Blake because he's the he's the poet who wrote that that poem, Tiger, Tiger in the night tiger tiger burning in the night that one there um and uh and and, and he thought that he could literally talk to, <laughs> talk to Blake. maybe he could you know and i and i think that i mean I, I personally i don't see why not it's you know anything's possible and and That's the reality right. is is just because you don't know how to today doesn't mean you can't tomorrow one of the things that I found so fascinating when I see some of these programs where animals are involved and usually, uh, you know, they're they're rather vicious and fierce and destructive and so forth, especially to an individual. You know, I'm sitting here going, will you please just sit still? If you just sit still and you do not appear to be a threat, you do not put off the fear of being a threat, 
this animal is going to leave you alone. Most likely, nine times out of ten, he's going to leave, the, the animal is going to leave you alone. You know, I don't care if it's a lion, a tiger, or a bear. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, in spite of all of the advice we're given. Uh, and, and to that end, which I find this very interesting, you have a book called Five Seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I've, I've made this comment on numerous occasions, but you have this book called Five Seasons, uh, Tap Into Nature's Secrets for Health, Happiness, and Harmony. Uh, and, of course, you write about the five different, uh, uh, different types, uh, very different types of energy that can enhance or uh, mm-hmm. even disrupt our lives, depending upon how we use them or, uh, or even whether we remain unconscious to them. And um, first of all, let's talk about these five energies and um, just throw I'm going to throw out this one statement that I've, I've probably shared with you before. I believe that nature is our greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. There is no greater teacher than nature in terms of our external world. I still would push people to go within to find answers for themselves, but that we can learn a lot in the, from the external world, from the natural world. Let's Absolutely. talk about those five uh, different energies. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I agree with it, everything you say, and it's very, very important. And um, the, these five energies um, come through, through Asian philosophy. That really is where they, they're coming from. Um, and one of, the, one of the, you know, balance, balance is a very uh, um, important word in, in Asian philosophy and and i i prefer the philosophies of looking at balance that have to do with energy itself because then you can understand how it is that you know you what 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 balance actually is like like if i have too much of this energy i need a little more of this or i could balance it out by having a little less of this so if there's an energy, for example, that's really uh, making me jumpy, I can balance it by trying to use a calm energy. Um, you know, and to not make it abstract, let, let's just say I can balance it by taking a nice calm walk or I could balance it by reading a calm poem or looking at a, a calm image or picture um, or listening to a calm piece of music. So I could take my jumpiness and try to bring it down by by inserting a calm energy but in 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 a in an asian philosophy looking at it it just as pure energy i can also balance it by trying to discover the energy that's making me jumpy and lessen that so i can bring myself down to a point of balance when i'm jumpy by increasing my calm energy or by decreasing the energy that's making me jumpy. Um, it, it, even if you look at that uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Western scientific sense, those same things kind of hold true. Psychologically and biologically will hold true. I can do the same things. Um, so the five, the five seasons are really uh, examples of five different energy types and one interesting thing is is that you know i talked about balance in in the word china 
itself means middle. And, you know, some translations will translate the word China to middle, uh, middle state or in the middle. Um, and, and so centering and centeredness is a big deal in, in Asian traditions. Um, when, when you look at a map or, a, you know, a, a graph of, of, of the seasons, um, if, in, in, from an Asian perspective, you'll see that there are four seasons, the same seasons that we generally consider. So if you put um, summer at the top at 12 o'clock, and if you put spring at nine o'clock, uh, then you'll come and you'll put autumn at three o'clock and winter opposite summer so that you've got the whole wheel of energies in the center is the fifth season. And this is again, because, uh, you know, as I said, in, in, in Chinese, China means middle kingdom, middle kingdom. And so centering is a real big thing. Mm. Um, in, in Confucianism, uh, uh, there's a, there's an old saying, uh, when in doubt, go to the center. Mm. And that, that is, that has been applied to everything from martial arts to the understanding of what you were saying earlier, that internal kingdom that we have. And some people interpret that as a self. And, you know, I believe others were going to, are going to interpret that as the soul. So that inner kingdom, that self, that spiritual energy, however you want to look at it, that sense of other is the hub or the headquarters for the whole, the whole circle of energy. And, and so if you've got the four seasons that we're aware of, starting with, starting, uh, with summer at the top and, and spring at nine o'clock, you'll see that it's a rising energy. So it rises. So mm -hmm. spring is this powerful, powerful energy that surges forward and and maxes out at 12 o'clock with summer so you have this enormous rising energy this surging energy that you need if you're too mellow if you're too mellow you need that surging energy right. to get up and do things otherwise you, you you can't function but then if you've got too much of that energy you need the opposite of that energy. And, and so you, you have a falling. It's called a falling energy. So you have the rising energies of summer, of, of spring to summer, and then the, the falling energies or the declining energies uh, that move from summer to autumn to winter, where we are now. And in the center is what's known as late summer. And late summer, uh, you, you know, we have all kinds of terms that we use for late summer, uh, but late summer is that warm weather that we experience, uh, say, you know, unexpectedly, you know, up here in the Berkshires where I'm from, you know, it, it can be freezing cold in October, you know, in late October. And then all of a sudden in early November, you can have an 80 degree day or more like a 75 degree day. And, and you can, that can go on for a week or so. And that's that's what we refer to as late summer mm. um, but that season of late summer is the hub for the for the whole map of rising and falling energies um, of course 
they're they're metaphorical, mm-hmm. but then they're not. I mean, in in Asia, uh, these energies are literal. In other words, there are things that we. In other words, there are things that we can do that will increase or decrease the quality of our energy from rising to falling to being centered. And the interesting thing is, is that it's not just seasonal. Of course it is because the seasons have this huge um, circular energy that is cyclical. But at the same time, even a micro moment goes through those same exact cycles. So in Asian philosophy, you can explain the entire universe in a sense by the rise and fall of these energies. If we consider the conversation that we're having now, we'll go through the same cycles and we'll go through the same cycles possibly within a minute. And then five minutes from now, the same, we'll we'll have a cycle of rising and fall. And then of course, the whole conversation will have a cycle of rising and falling energy. And the idea is to stay balanced within that. And the balancing point to go back to your original point, the balancing point is inside us. Mm-hmm. It's inside us because inside us, we have needs and requirements in the moment and in the long term. We, we, we have beyond needs, we have desires that, that are within the moment and that go beyond the moment and so on. And we need to look at that and balance that with the way the energy is moving within the moment, within the day, within the year, and so on. And so you keep this narrow perspective of moment by moment, and then the huge perspective of year by year, possibly you know, five years by five years, decade by decade, lifetime by lifetime. Mm-hmm. And... And all that, and all that can be on, you know, it's, it can get, it, it can get um, layered to the point where it could get complicated. But that's why in Asian philosophy, they use uh, the, the term, the five seasons or the five universal energies, because that makes it manageable. Because then we understand two of them bring you up, two of them bring you down. And the center is your internal environment that balances it all so in we're controlling all of that from here from the center or as in chinese the middle kingdom Mm. (laughs) we're talking with joseph cardello and we are uh, dr cardello is our guest here on the program he has one book out in french now in 2021 uh that is of course entitled uh in in English, it is, of course, the uh, 12 Rules of Attention. And I am now going to perform an interesting little magic trick. Stay right where you are, folks. And look at that, folks. Uh, I have just changed uh, my background. Isn't that amazing? Uh, jumped from uh, one place to another. Isn't technology incredible? Uh, especially when you're talking with a gentleman uh, like uh, Dr. Uh, Joseph Cardillo. And um, it's very interesting when we talk about these energies uh, and nature. It's very, very important. And, and there's more. I mean, obviously, there's more to say because you have a whole book called The Five Seasons. But let's talk a little bit more about that in terms of uh, you've sort of ex- you've explained the five. So now how do we incorporate those five seasons, those energies, I should say, 
into our lives so as to be able to, um, I don't know, maybe find a little peace and quiet and calm, or maybe there are times when we need to find uh, some energy. We need to find some, you know, a push. Yeah. And it, and it depends, it depends how, it depends how you want to go about doing that. Um, and part of it has to do with, uh, you know, ourselves. Like, you know, are you a person who likes exercise? Are you a person who, who, can, who can take a, a walk in, in a raw, natural environment or a hike, you know, or, or what, you know? Um, and, you know, but, you know, I want to say that, that my entire career has been based on trying to understand our relationships to the, as, as people to the energies that affect us and, and that are us. Um, so, you know, if today, I think, you know, when I started all this, you know, several decades ago, um, we were, we were kind of opening up a new conversation Mm -hmm. on, you know, on the credibility of energies affecting us and, and, and so on. But, you know, today, um, you know, after at least three decades of my involvement with this topic, um, you, 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 for example, the other, the other day I was reading, um, a, a wonderful article out of the wall street journal, uh, that was on museums and museums, uh, that were using, uh, natural environments. It wasn't just on muse- museums using mm-hmm. natural environments it was on other things. But one of the, one of the subject matters of that article was on museums, creating installations of natural environments using pictorials, etc., to, to positively affect people. And I believe one of the references was, uh, for, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder even. Um, but, you know, depending on what effect you wanted, um, that, that the museum itself was using, using art, but environmental art to help treat uh, uh, a, a, an issue, a health issue that people wanted to make better in one way or another. Yeah. And, they were, and they felt they were achieving some really good success with this. I responded to that article. I, it was a, it was a wonderfully writ, written article and a topic that needs uh, more in the public conversation. But, you know, when you look at, when you look at something like the five energies that are, are the basis really uh, for uh, health, health and in Asian philosophy, um, when you look at those five energies, you can understand things that uh, might be complicated, but really wind up being pretty simple. Like, for example, most of us in the West, we, we, um, and again, here I am speaking for everybody. <laughs> I, I feel that most of us, most of the people I speak to feel that, that, that depression, for example, arises from low energy. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm bummed. I got mm-hmm. low energy. Yeah. Well, in Chinese philosophy, for example, Asian philosophy, for example, it can arise from having too much powerful rising energy. Ah. 
You see, just the opposite of what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's not negating what we're thinking. It's just showing you that the opposite is also possible. So, for example, um, let's say I use spring as my metaphor. So I've got this just this incredible surging energy. And again, I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here, this, but not about the energy. I've got this incredible surging energy. I want to do something. I want to do something, but I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Kind of like so many of us are experiencing in COVID. We feel up against a brick wall for a year. I want to do something. I want to move that wall. I want to do something and make it better, but I don't know what. So we just got all this energy and nowhere to put it. So what do we do? We might, we might scatter a bunch of ideas. Yeah. And uh, in, in Asian philosophy, that's not a bad thing. That, that's how nature works. Nature scattered seeds. Sc- we scatter ideas. We scatter uh, uh, potential activities and so on. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with having a lot of seed out there, a lot of ideas, a lot of potentialities out there. But some people aren't comfortable with that. And so having all these ideas scattered can also create a depression in an individual. So you've got all this energy with nowhere to go, all these ideas that that you've thrown seed out and no follow-up and you start to get depressed. Mm. And that depression is different from the depression that is caused by low energy. And so you look at it and you say, well, how how am I going to how am I going to deal with this? Well, the last thing you want to do is to put more energy into it. More rising energy is the last thing you want to do. So what are you going to do with this? It's not coming from a low energy. It's coming from a powerful rising energy, a powerful energy that's kind of maybe become compulsive and, uh, idiosyncratic about getting something done rather than calming down and looking at the the wide spectrum of seed that's out there, finding out what's growing and then trailing it and saying, this one's growing, this one isn't, this one's growing, this one isn't. I prune this one. I leave this one for later. I'm going to follow this one. It's a whole different way of thinking than, you know, I got to get off my butt and do something. Yeah. You know, I got I need more energy. I got to get up. And then you find that a- adding that a- additional energy only makes things worse. And that's why, because you're, 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 you're addressing it with the, the energy that is causing it. <laughs> so, you know, the five seasons, if you look at energies as rising and falling and you look at you, you take something like uh, take anything, take, 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 take depression. And you see that, you know, tremendous depression could be caused from low energy and it can also be caused from jumpy rising wild energy with, you know, when you've got this perspective, there's nowhere to go on it. And so you, you would deal with it differently um, depending on what, the causes for you. In my book, The Five Seasons, I explore where those rising energies when they're good come from and where those rising energies when they're not so good for us come from. And they're really personalized. They're, you know, they'll be different for you than they will for me. And the sure. and a book helps you helps you figure that out. But my point is uh, that from the beginning of my career to now, I've always looked at this 
idea of wellness, goal achievement, happiness, um, satisfaction. I've always looked at it uh, from the perspective of energy, because this is something that's tangible. It's something that's real. It's something we can all feel inside us. And if I have a tool that can redirect that energy, then I can fix myself mm -hmm. or I can adjust myself so that I'm more accurate in what I'm trying to do, whether it's emotional, interpersonal, physical activity, whatever it is, I can adjust myself to where I need to be. But if I look at it as just pure mind over matter and, and I don't bring the energy component into it, it's a lot more difficult. I'm not going to go and say it's impossible because I don't believe it is, but it's a lot more difficult. Like if I have a, an instrument here, if I knew that this, this, this is my mouse, <laughs> but if I knew that if I, if I knew that if I pressed on the left side of this mouse, my energy would go up. If I pressed on the right side of this mouse, my energy would go down. How much easier it would be to adjust myself for where I need to be. So if, if I'm in a conversation <clears throat> with a, with a colleague or at my place of work or in my family, and I'm starting to I'm starting to lose it. Mm -hmm. Then I just, you know, I press on the key that will lower my energy right. and I'm just fine. But you know what? That key is up here. Right. That key is up here. That key is in here. Mm -hmm. The center tells us what we need. This can direct it. Yeah. You know, um, my first thought in, in using an analogy was electricity, but then I was always <clears throat> told that when you're thinking about electricity, you want to think in terms of water in a hose. Mm -hmm. And um, in, in the case of as you're describing this, and this is how energy, these five energies, uh, so to speak, can make or break you. Uh, they can hurt or help you. Uh, if you have too much pressure, and this is what you were saying before, you know, yeah, so the energy is good uh, in, 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 a, in a sense, the, if we want to put that label on it. But if you have too much of it, that hose is going to burst if you don't have, a, if, you, if you've got it pinched off at the end to where it can't release. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas if the pressure is really low, you got a dribble coming out the end. Mm -hmm. e even if, if it's wide, even if the, if it's wide open, even if mm -hmm. the end of the hose is wide open and you have a very low flow, low pressure in the hose. Mm -hmm. uh, so you need to find a way to balance that. And I love the analogy of the, uh, uh, you know, of the, of the mouse. You know, I've, and I've <laughs> yeah. got one too. I have a mouse too. Yeah, we all have it. We all have it. <clears throat> we should start to use it more. <clears throat> the other, go ahead. The other component in 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 energy, besides its ability to bring us up and down, and I explore this uh, component. Like I said, every one of my books takes it from some angle. The next component of energy is that it carries information. So it's got this. It's got this force that can bring us up or bring us down. And we know this. We know this. We can, we can listen to a piece of music that excites us. We can listen to a piece of music that makes us mellow. So we know that. Music is a frequency, is an energy. So we know how it works at some kind of uh, uh, just intuitive level. Uh, but energy also carries with it information. And so, for example, you know, I, I, I knew a person. Uh, whose whose uh, daughter used to listen to real heavy metal music before she went to uh, before she went to uh, take a test when she was in high school, um, and for so so 
he would come downstairs and see his daughter, you know, with a headphones on listening to heavy metal and, you know, looking over her notes at the breakfast table. And, and, and he couldn't understand why on earth she would do such a thing. And then one day she came home, you know, when he, he actually had criticized her for this, you know, why do you do that? You know, it, 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 turn that off, listen to your, listen to your notes. And in fact, she did turn it off. And then as soon as he went wherever, wherever he was headed, she put her headphones back on and her iPod got on the bus and went to school. She came home and told her father she got an A on the test that she was cramming so hard for. And she had an innate feeling that this particular song, this particular music, which she liked a lot, and, you know, of course he didn't, um, would give her that boost of energy that she needed to be able to pay the proper attention and concentration to the test that she would be taking which required that kind of energy output out of her. And so she did well. She used that same exact piece of music for a speech class and it didn't work. It didn't work. And in fact, it, it helped flub her up. And the reason for that, I mean, she, of course she's, how come, you know, it helped me, helped me over here with this test, but over here, it won't help me. And the reason for that is, is that it, it, the energy was correct. It was a rising energy, but the information that it was conveying brought her up too far, got her jumpy and nervous. And so she didn't do a good job in speech. Mm. So it's kind of like, I, you know, it's kind of like if I'm walking out onto the football field and I'm an athlete and I'm walking out on the football field and I'm playing some real body rap piece and I'm, you know, I'm getting my energies up and my instincts up mm -hmm. to be able to do what I need to do. You know, that's well and fine, but you certainly don't want to be playing that same piece when you're going home and you know that you had an argument that morning with your spouse or your partner. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to be playing this body thing, this, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, so because that's going to preset you for things that you may not even be aware of, yeah. but you're hearing it. And you're hearing the message is downloading, the lyrics are downloading, the, 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 the rhythms are too much, and, and you're going to get yourself into a problem. You need yeah. to transition the other way. But see, the five seasons will tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. It'll tell you the same thing. Like, but you got to go to your center, figure out what you want, figure out what you need, how you need, what kind of energy you need, and then where you can go get it. It'll tell you the same thing. And it'll show you the balancing points. In my book, Body Intelligence, I, it's the same thing again. You know, use an energy as a way to, to increase our aptitude to achieve our goals, whether the goals are emotional, physical, uh, uh, cognitive, whatever they are, you know, the, the, the fix is going to be energy. Yeah. One way or another. I mean, even if it's nutrition, it's going to be one form of energy or another that we need. And there are, you know, various forms of energy. So to not know, to not know what's in your energy refrigerator, so mm -hmm. to speak, is a mistake because yeah. one form of energy can't really compensate for the other for very long. Right. It can for a while, mm -hmm. but not for very long. In some cases, it's dangerous, as was the case in the going from, a, say, a math class to a speech class. Yeah. Now, would you say that there are some people who, I don't want to say have mastered the art, so to speak, of using those five energies, but who 
unconsciously are using them and they actually are creating uh, more discord and chaos by ex by by sending that energy out to others who then take it Absolutely. in and then they get charged up and they get I mean you could use the example of a sporting event okay but that's rather benign although I will be the first one to acknowledge yes especially in in the soccer leagues in Europe they get a little over exuberant sometimes and sometimes people end up getting hurt and I've even heard of people getting killed because they get crushed in the melee because everybody's so charged up. I mean, here in the States with baseball, I'm an avid baseball fan. Uh, when the, my beloved D-backs of, 19, uh, of 2001 uh, beat the uh, New York Yankees, one of the best teams in baseball uh, in the World Series, I, I was, oh, I was cheering. I was doing great, you know. But my wife, at that time, she was suffering through chemotherapy uh, due to uh, cancer that had been detected. The surgery took it out in August, and there we were in the 1st or 2nd of November, which was weird, watching the World Series in November. Uh, but I was just charged up. Well, I actually did have to sort of temper my enthusiasm. She knew I was excited, but she couldn't really join in that She just because she just wasn't there. Her energy level was very low, and for obvious reasons. But then you have, for example, in, the, uh, in, in this country, in the religious community, the televangelists, you know, and different uh, sects of Christianity, especially if you're talking maybe, uh, uh, and, and again, I, I just put these out there, maybe Pentecostal or Southern Baptist uh, and, and other types that really get the, 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 the congregation charged up, you know, and just are, are, are just going what some people might say going wild, but they're just expressing their faith and this is the way that they do it. And then you have leaders of countries who do the same thing with certain segments of the population who are in favor of them, who are in support of them, who for what, you know, for, for the reasons they've chosen are there. Hey, you lead us over the cliff. We're going with you because mm -hmm. we believe in you. And, and, and this individual just gets everybody charged up. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, the problems we've had in this country. Let's just say some of the movements over the last few years, and especially during 2020 uh, in January, February and March and April, you know, the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and and the list goes on. And one of the things that I did see, and I thought this was wonderful to see, and maybe you saw this, too, there were individuals in those some of those protests who worked very hard to keep the energy down mm -hmm. so as not to get people caught up in a frenzy, which then leads to, to other problems. Um, mm -hmm. we've, it, it, would you say that, they're, that these people in, in especially are, they're tapping into those five seasons, those five energies, mm -hmm. but they may not really know that that's what they're doing per se. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things, one of the things that discussions like we're having and literature, like we're talking about and everything does is that it makes us responsible 
to ourselves for what's happening to us. Like, you know, somebody say, oh, geez, you know, this keeps happening to me over and over again. Well, that's your first clue that, it, you know, that, that it's an energy that you need to, you really need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. If something keeps happening to you over and over again, even if it's good, I mean, yeah. especially if it's good, yeah. you know, we should trace the footsteps of what made it good and find out what the energy sources are that made it good. All my books help you do that. Um, you know, but when something happens that's destructive to us or, or harmful to us or just disadvantageous to us or the people around us, then, then we need to trace those footsteps too. And what we find out is, is that you know, we can be responsible. So, for example, I can be in a group and zip up. And I don't mean just keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can learn how to, how to internalize my energy and maintain that energy, even though there's all kinds of noise and everything else going on uh, outside. You know, one of the first things, you know, I, I, I taught martial arts for 25 years, um, which I'm proud of. I, I, I taught that for free for 25 years because I wanted to make sure that people could get training um, in that in, in the various disciplines that I understood and uh, for free. Uh, and, and I encourage them to go out and teach for free as well. Uh, that doesn't say that everybody should, but you know, that, that, that was my, my path, um, you know, to teach people who otherwise couldn't afford it somewhere else. Um, but anyway, um, you know, that's one of the first things that we used to teach. You know, you could do all this yelling and screaming. There could be all kinds of yelling and screaming. And, you mm-hmm. know, somebody could be throwing roundhouse kicks, you know, three <laughs> feet away from you. But you don't have to pay attention to them. You know, you know, you can dismiss them. Yeah. So you could say, you know, you are of absolutely no threat to me because you're over there. And that roundhouse that you're throwing, I won't even feel the air of it where I'm standing. Yeah. So I don't need. So you find ways of zipping up, but you also find ways of zipping up. And using your, and I write about this in uh, my new book, The 12 Rules of Attention, you can, you, you can use your sideline awareness, your peripheral attention in a glance. You can use that to let you know. It's kind of like setting an alarm on your cell phone to let you know, okay, that roundhouse is getting a little close now. Now I got to put my attention on it. But before I don't have, and what a way to de-stress. You can de-stress yourself. You can say, you know what? I can dismiss that until my alarm goes off. Yeah. And you could do that with people, with places, with things, with ideas, with creativity. I don't need to get creative now. I can get creative later. You know, all these things. But, but I think that after all the years that I've been on this, I think attention and good attention and focus to the external and internal environments is vital. Mm. You know, you've addressed the one question I was going to ask you about how we protect ourselves from the, those five energies that are being um, exported from others that we really don't want to be a part of. And yet at the same time, we would like to see some calm, some peace, some uh, some quiet, if you will, uh, some... Um, chaos of uh, some clarity some not chaos but some clarity uh <clears throat> some protocols being met and so on and so on and so on uh even though f- from a universal standpoint to some would say and looking out at the cosmos that uh that's just a lot of chaos look at those things flying around oh my gosh another explosion and supernova and on and on and on and on um sun flares coming off the sun you know oh my gosh uh, and yet, 
in the grand scheme of things, that's not chaos. That really mm-hmm. isn't. It is. Uh, uh, it's if, if some would say it's controlled chaos, I would say, no. It's it's just the universe <clears throat> being the universe. We're the ones that are labeling it chaos. Yeah. But because of the fact that we live in this world, and because of the fact that we have these different elements of us, we have body, mind, soul, spirit. You know, all of these different elements, our emotions, our mental state and so forth, our spiritual state. There are, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of drama. Now, do I get a little dramatic sometimes? Uh, like I'm driving down the road and somebody does something stupid. Or I've got to warn somebody that they've just stepped out in front of me and I honk my horn as I'm coming to a screeching stop. It's like, what the heck do you think you're doing? I had a woman just the other day. She was uh, she was uh, running with her dog into a crosswalk across my path, and I had the right of way. She had a stop sign. It was a two way stop. Okay, two directions were stop signs, and two directions, and these are parallel, uh, were through, so that you had to wait. And she was <clears throat> running, and it's like. The stop sign doesn't mean the same thing to you as it does to me. That's your stop sign, not mine. And if you had run any faster, I would have probably hit you. I would have hated it because you would have ruined my day as well as yours. Maybe even injured the dog. That's what really incensed me is the, they, they took this dog's life. She took this dog's life in, in, in her own hands and, and what have you. And there I am, and I'm, I honk my horn. And I'm basically doing this. You were supposed to stop. And she's just going, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I couldn't hear because the windows were rolled up and I had my stereo on listening to my country music. Um, and then I moved on. Now, obviously, you can tell that that was a rather significant event in just the last day or so to me. So I got a lot. I've got some energy built up around that. Uh, if If I had just seen her and stopped, even though. I had the right of way, uh, and I learned this very early on in driving. Just because you have the right of way doesn't mean you take it, you know? So um, diffusing that situation, I could have said a lot of expletives. I could have shown a lot of expletives, but I didn't do that. Uh, It was just this. I says, you are supposed to stop. And I let her rant and rave, and then she went on, and I went on. I went on my way. Um, it's, it, it sounds to me like zipping up, which is what you're talking about in terms of protecting ourselves, is the equivalent of putting up our shields, uh, sort of a Star Trek metaphor. Uh, but we're not wanting to fire weapons. What we're wanting to do is protect ourselves. Uh, my wife is an empath. Matter of fact, she just told me an experience that she had at work just the other day. She was feeling really, really nauseous for no reason at all. I don't know that she'd even eaten anything at that point. She wasn't hungry or anything of this nature. And she went in to see this one patient. All right. And she was about ready to administer some tests. She left the room and the patient threw up. And as soon as that happened, she felt better. The patient threw up. She felt better because she was picking up on that energy. Mm-hmm. And for years that we've been together, she's always wondered if it was her or someone else. And I was always telling her, it's not you, it's, it's other people. Even though I didn't know at the time she was an empath. 
do you find yourself being empathic in that sense uh, when you are around <clears throat> other people where you know, ah, I need to zip up? Uh, yeah, and and zipping up is only is only one of a hundred techniques. You know that you, you sometimes we do the opposite. We got to get closer, and 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 get in, get into the the the, the flow of the conversation or the activity or whatever. It, it depends, but you see what's gonna what's going to um, determine it is your attention. If you're not paying attention, you're just going to do what you normally do. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't have to be bad. You know, it's like the martial artist training. You know, at first they throw a bad block and they get tagged. You know, after they do it 100 times, they start throwing good blocks and then they start throwing and, and then they start throwing that good block without having to think about it. And now they got it down. It's like the tennis player having a perfect backhand. You know, he doesn't want to have to keep thinking about it, just does it. Um, so. So, you know, sometimes we want to we want to zip up. Sometimes we don't sometimes, you know, but whatever it is, it's going to it will eventually become automatic and it will either work for us or it'll need tweaking uh, or or we're doing something that that's not working for us at all. And and our attention is what's going to tell us not only uh, how to create the behavior that is good for us, that works for us, but it's also going to tell us how to edit it and it's going to tell us how to delete it too. Part of attention, att attention, you know, I, I really, you know, I've been telling people <laughs> we should declare this the year of attention because especially from where we've been coming, attention is at the center of it all. Part of our attention mechanism is our empathy. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about is absolutely right. Part of our attention is our empathy and our ability to identify beyond ourselves and identify what the other person needs. And then our ability to identify not what I would do if I needed that, but what that person needs to do mm -hmm. when they need that. Um, so our, our, our empathy, which is connected to our attention mechanism, will, will, will help us determine where we put our attention in order to choose what we're going to do next. Are we going to do what we did yesterday? Are we going to do what we did five years ago in this same situation? Or are we going to need to do something different? And it's our attention that will allow us to do that, which is why I think attention, no matter what we're doing, uh, you know, th this whole conversation, attention to the energy that's affecting us and affecting somebody else is what helps us identify what's working, what isn't, and then how to make the changes to make it work better and advantageously for us, and also how to make it permanent and how to make it automatic. Because once we've got it working perfectly for us, at least in a given situation, mm -hmm. we absolutely wanna make it automatic because then you react in, a, in the right way, in the way that you desire without having to think about it. Because if we have to think about it, oftentimes we're too late. Yeah. We have to think, we've already acted. Um, you know, there was a great um, film out on martial arts uh, years years ago and it showed, it, 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 they were trying to they, they had a team of scientists trying to figure out 
how how this energy in martial arts worked and they were pretty much concerned just with the sport itself they they weren't going in the directions that we're going uh but you could take the 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 same uh uh experiments they were doing and and apply them to what we're talking about Mm. um so for example they had then an individual and he's all wired up and they had originally uh done some tests to see how much outward force, outward energy that person was capable of applying given, given his physiology. So you would have a certain amount of force that you're capable of uh, extending. I have a certain amount of force. Everybody's different, our kids and so on. So they wired him up. They already knew how much force his anatomy was capable of putting out and they had a big, huge chunk of ice. <laughs> it was awesome. That's like four, f- four feet high, this piece of ice. And he's going to smash it with his fist. And so the idea was, is that his anatomy, his physiology can't possibly issue enough force to break that. It can't do it. Hmm. Of course, he said he could, mm-hmm. and they sort of knew he could too. <laughs> or they would, or they, or they wouldn't have done the test. You know, it just, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, who wants to see a bummer? So we already know how this story ends. Yeah. So they got him all wired up. <clears throat> he punches at the block and he breaks it. He shatters it. And as you know, as a spectator, you're watching this. You're going, but you already told me he was incapable of doing that. Where'd it come from? where did it come from? Was it placebo? Did he really channel an energy from somewhere else and use that additional energy to to smash that block? Was it something internal? Was he able to transform the energy that his body had into something more condensed and more power? How did he do it? And if he can do that, what the heck else can you do once you combine mind and energy and what else can we do with this? And the answer is, we don't know. We know other things that can be done with it. We know that you can use that energy to, to heal emotions. We know that you can use that energy to get yourself healthy. We know that you can use that energy to do a lot of things, but we don't know everything. What else can you do with that energy and where's it coming from? And by the way, that's one kind of energy. What about those other types? What can we do with that? What can we do with energies that you can't even measure yet? What can we do with that? And so the, the answer is we don't know. We know that you can do something, but it's experiments like that. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's experiments like the museums have done all over the country, in Canada, and so on. You know, and they, and they testify to the fact that we can, we, can, we can put up these visuals, we can put up these things, and they will affect the human mind and human body in a positive way like this. We can, we can help with post-traumatic stress. Years ago, <clears throat> years ago, uh, I was doing research on how music affects the brain and why is it that music works. And again, it's because it's energy. 
Yeah. That's why it works. Uh, and we're wired. The human body is wired to reciprocate to the energy that's influencing it. So we work just like, a, you know, the music on the human brain is like a remote control on a television. You know, I can change the channel like this. Yeah. And, and it pretty instantaneously. Well, anyway, the L.A. Times had done a story years ago, uh, I believe over 10 years ago, had done a story on how uh, it was uh, how I think it was a VA hospital. Had reported that the music that they were playing in the waiting rooms as patients were going in to see their health care professionals helped calm the patients down and put them in a better frame of mind to receive treatment and guidance. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we need more articles like that. We need more articles like the one in the wall street journal that said, you know, museums are doing all this great stuff, uh, you know, and, 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 and affecting people and their ability to enjoy life at a higher level. So, you know, I mean, there's a, the, the exploration on all this has just begun. Uh, let me say this. I mean, we think we know something. Uh, we write about it and we put it out there, but we've just begun. The, 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 there's so much more we're going to be able to do. And I'm so delighted that that people are seriously pursuing this and that there's an audience of people out there that are seriously interested in it. But I can guarantee you one thing that at the center of it all is our ability to pay attention because otherwise we're just letting these things influence us kind of like happenstance, you know, like, Oh, I took a walk and I feel better. But if you can understand what it is about taking that walk that makes you feel better, not only can you recreate it when you want it, so now you can control it, but you can figure out if I can figure out exactly what's happening, I can figure out how to make the effect more powerful and make it last longer. Mm. And that's that's the aim of all my work. But again, I can assure you that our attention mechanism is at the center of it all. It's it's a gift from the gods in our human anatomy. And, uh, you know, the creatures we share the earth with also have the same mechanism. Jonathan Goldman is one of our guests uh, many times on this program talking about sound and using that as healing. I've talked many times about uh, how when I was a kid growing up, and I'd still do it from time to time, but I haven't been sick for for a long, 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 long time, uh, I would moan, creating my own vibration, my own tone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember doing a little research on what is called the Mozart effect. Wondering uh, what that was all about. And I researched that a little bit. And, of course, my first question was, why Mozart? Why not Bach, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? How, you know, how did he get, uh, get that top building, so to speak? Of course, then I started reading articles, too, about how the Mozart effect was being poo-pooed. You know, it was, it was, they were de- defaming it, if you will, or uh, saying, oh, no, it's just, that's, that's just that's ridiculous. That's garbage. So some people, some people did uh, write that stuff, uh, but one piece of Mozart's, I, I, I'm very happy to share this with your listeners, one piece of Mozart's that has, you know, not been debunked, uh, as far as I know, uh, is, is his sonata in D major for two pianos. Mm-hmm. And that particular sonata, I, you know, I don't know why, 
Again, it's one of these things. It'd be great to have all the information. I yeah. don't know why, but that particular sonata can bring you at that sweet spot of balance that we've been talking about very, very quickly. Um, and again, if if your listeners want to, you know, download it or purchase it or whatever, it is it is uh, the Mozart Sonata in D major for two pianos, and it it, it really works. But there's a there's a little hitch to it. And that is that you've got to like classical music. I mean, yeah. if, you, if classical music to you, I had a friend who used to tell me that classical music to her was like, uh, you know, it was like a torture. And so if you don't like classical music, if it's torturous to you, kind of like the, met uh, the metal was torturous to that father I was talking about earlier, yeah. then you'll it'll never work its magic for you. You've yeah. got to like it for yeah. for the right things to be happening in your brain and in your mind uh, to 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 tighten up your attention and focus and right. all these other things that we want to do. I'm going to look that up myself uh, and, and, and find that and maybe even play a little bit of it on the program uh, as well, because I think that it is... Uh, uh, incumbent on us anytime we get some kind of a piece of information like what you've just described mm -hmm. uh, that we look into it I mean what's it gonna hurt um, uh, although I used to say too and this this goes to one of the points in in my own book called choices five uh, steps for life uh, that we must uh, we must match our personal input to our choice and that goes That's to what right. you were just talking about. That's right. And uh, so if your choice is to live a vibrant life, if your choice is to uh, find your life's purpose and, uh, and, and, and move yourself forward, you know, I used to say uh, that, yeah, this program and what I want to do with my life, I want to change the world. Well, it's a little grandiose. I, I, will, I will freely admit, a little grandiose. But the best way for me to change the world is to change myself. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe that Jesus' addict, if you will, uh, um, edict, I should say, uh, if you will, or statement, uh, to his uh, disciples as he's performing all of these miracles and they're standing around with their mouths open and their jaws to the ground going, wow, that is pretty cool. Uh, you think you could teach us how to do that? He said, are you kidding me? Really? You guys? these miracles, you want to do these? Hey, you can do these, but I'm going to tell you something. You are going to do greater works than these. And I believe the transformation of our lives is that greater work above all else to transform our lives, to get our lives on purpose, to get connected to that energy flow, to learn how to use your term, to learn how to zip up and unzip at the appropriate times in, in order to make the choices that propel us forward. And speaking of choices, you know and I know, we've heard this phrase many times, I'm sure. It's the choices that we made in the past that have brought us to where we are today. It's the choices that we make today that will take us into our future. It will make our future what it will be, right? That's right. Well, catch this. And that's Catch this. I heard this just the other day from a futurist. He said, that's true if you hold that perspective. But how about this? Shift your perspective. It's our perception, perspective, um, imaginings of the future, he says, that determine our choices of today. Mm -hmm. If you think that the world is coming to an end 
then the mm -hmm. choices that you're going to make today are going to be towards that end. Mm -hmm. uh, if That's you right. if you think that uh, optimistically, as I do, that life is going to go on and it's going to get better for everybody and we're going to make some major changes in our institutions and so on and so forth, then your choices of today are going to be framed in that perception. That's right. That's right. It's kind of like if, if, you, if you have to go uh, and have a meeting with somebody and you're already regretting it and it's in the future and I'm already regretting it, then when I get there, I'm going to pay I'm going to pay attention to the details, which will confirm that I should be regretting it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's going to happen. Or if I, you know, or worse, if I see myself, you know, uh, losing control in that situation, it hasn't even happened yet. You know, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to lose control unless the other person is very, very good at keeping you on track that that might happen. Um, so th this all has to do with, you know, putting our attention in the moment. Like, where does my attention need to be right now? Do I really need to be paying attention to uh, regretting something that hasn't even happened yet? And to a fiction in my head, do I need to do I need to be paying attention to that or should I be paying attention to something else that could, in fact, guide me another way that's more advantageous for my desires, who I want to be, how I want to live. But it's all a matter of attention because attention is what's going to put the content in your head. Whatever you're paying attention to is going to put the content in your head. If you pay attention to it for a, just a short minute, not even just a millisecond, it's going to put that content in your head for the short term. But if you repeat it, if you start repeating that thought, that image, uh, that concept, that hope, whatever it is, it's going to embed it deeper and deeper. And then you will probably behave accordingly. And that's what we got to watch out for, because the deeper those things get embedded after a while, we forget that we had those thoughts. We forget we had them. And so it's something unconscious that starts to manipulate the moment. Of course, we don't know it because it's unconscious. We think we're doing it. But it's something that 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 we brought into our mind, as you said, about the future. In the current moment, and it's become embedded and it's going to it's going to uh, propel our actions in the future. So but it's something that is so easily controlled. And again, uh, you know, I, I want to just say over and over again that the way we pay attention to things internally and externally, the way we pay attention to the things that affect our energy, that affect our actions, our thoughts, our feelings and behaviors um, is going to affect the way things turn out in our lives, everything from our health and wellness uh, to the way we get along with people and other goals that we have. We're talking with uh, Joe Cardillo, Dr. Joe Cardillo, and we're talking Right now, we're talking about, of course, uh, one of his uh, books. Uh, his uh, It's entitled The Five Seasons and talking about the five energies. And it's just incredible uh, that, um, uh, you know, we can delineate these different energies. It's just remarkable. And um, uh, we need to really get a handle on what that's all about. And I am certainly going to look up uh, Mozart's Sonata in D Major. Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, listening to that. I, I do like classical music. For a period of time, I actually belonged to a... Uh
a CD club, a classical CD <laughs> club, believe it or not. I, I, I recall them. Yeah. Same, same here. Yeah. It's it's amazing to me. Uh, it will be amazing to me uh, to have a have a listen to this. Who knows? Maybe I've listened to it before and just not aware of it. But I I would put on one of these CDs when I'd get home from work in the afternoon. I'd lay down on the couch. Of course, I'd fall asleep usually, but it was a good sleep. Mm -hmm. It was a really mm -hmm. good sleep, and it really didn't matter what I was uh, what I was doing. You know what I, you know what I was listening to. They they all just sounded so wonderful. I love the cello. You know. Mm -hmm. and, and the sound of the cello and um, and the different uh, uh, wind instruments, you know, and, and the brass and all that good stuff and just the mixtures. And it is astounding. It's just utterly astounding to me how one individual, a Mozart, a Bach, a Beethoven, created these incredible and in many cases extremely intricate Pieces of music that influence influence us even to this day. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there's anything in our modern day that even compares? Do you think that that was that period of time during, what was that during the Renaissance period that this stuff was mostly composed? Uh, you know, forgive my my uh, uh, ignorance on the history, <laughs> uh, but do you think that it's um, you you think that maybe it's a uh, was channeled, got inspired. I mean, my gosh, what a mind to be able to write that stuff. Well, yeah, it, I think it channels inside us too. It's the energy that we can just, we can just absorb it. And, you know, uh, at one point um, I had written an article for psychology today. I think it was uh, my wife and I had been having a conversation. We had just gone to a concert um, uh, of, of Mozart uh, pieces and uh in albany new york uh and it was a wonderful concert my wife made the comment she said she said you know it, it it can bring us you know being there listening to that can bring us right into mozart's mind we can experience mozart's mind and in a way we can we can infuse those same patterns mm -hmm. that 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 he was experiencing that was that were that were uh, th th that were affecting him biologically, physiologically, and mentally. Um, we can infuse those same patterns into ourselves and allow ourselves to feel that for that moment, for as long as that is. And we can, if if we if needed, we can use that to change our behavior. Like for example. And I, I, I did write an article on this too. I wrote an article on taking care of, you know, I, of, you know, I love all the little creatures, you know, from dragonflies to, to, you know, my dog and to the, you know, cats and so on. Uh, even the, the mosquitoes, I love them all. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I wrote an article at one point uh, for psychology today um, on, needing to take care of pets, you know, when they're in their last phases of life. And sometimes it's pretty difficult, you know, because we've had a pet around for a decade or more. Um, 
some people's experiences close to two decades. We've got a cat here that's about 24 years old right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some, sometimes they, they, they really have a good go around at it. Uh, but uh, we, many of us have been in the situation where we're taking care of a pet. Also, we've been in the, in the situation where uh, we're a caregiver for, for people in our families and so on. And, and oftentimes it becomes very, very difficult um, to be the caregiver. It's not always easy. Um, and so one of the ways that I was able to alter my own mindset and in, in my ability to give care, uh, both to people and to pets, uh, ha has been, I, I like to use uh, Vivaldi. Um, and I, I, love, um, I love the four seasons of Vivaldi and the, the season that, that, that gave me the energy that I needed to take care of, you know, my cats, my dog was, was uh, the section on spring. Now that's just a personal choice, but that particular piece of music, if I put it on my iPhone and I knew that I had to take care of my dog in 15 minutes, or I knew that I had to go to a care facility and take care of somebody in my family. Um, I would play the Vivaldi piece and it would put me in the mindset that I needed to forget about how difficult it was um, to get in sync with how beautiful it is to still have a pet around this 24 years old. that's doing everything it can to be with me still and to be in this world before it goes wherever it's headed a little while longer. It put me in the mindset to be able to appreciate the moment rather than despise the moment or get upset with the moment or question the moment. And it put me in the mindset that I was doing something good. And, and so I felt good about myself. I was able to give better care to the person or the pet. Um, and, and, and then that snowballed into feeling even better about myself and so on. And then when the person has passed on or the, the, the creature has passed on, I feel good about the final days rather than having in my memory, you know, uh, a, 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 sneer, a series of snapshots that are um, detrimental to, to, to what I want to be experiencing and thinking about. So, yeah. Remarkable stuff that's out there. And there's a bunch of it. I, I don't even know how many CDs I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're talking with Joseph Cardillo, and we're talking, uh, uh, in this case here, about a lot of different things uh, related to the five energies, the five seasons, which is the title of one of his books, The Twelve Rules of Attention. I want to ask you about that, uh, going back to that particular work, which, of course, folks, is now in French. If you are French-speaking, you know someone who, is, uh, who reads French, get a copy. Uh, I would assume that it is probably available in the States, uh, certainly, yes. definitely in France. <laughs> uh, by the way, I understand from my recollections, if I'm correct of history, that French almost became sort of the universal language instead of English. Uh, I don't know if you know that or not. I'm not sure if I'm completely accurate on that, but I seem to recall that it 
actually became very dominant, um, I don't know, maybe a century or two ago. And there were those who thought maybe that should have been the the dominant language of the <laughs> of the globe, of the worlds. Uh, it's a beautiful it, language. I it's love hearing it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about attention. Now, uh, before we wrap up here, as I say about uh, the decade of perfect vision to the 2020s, looking, going within and looking for that still, small, peaceful, quiet place, where uh, can, uh, can, can paying attention and following the 12 rules, as it were, uh, bring us peace and calm and so forth? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that, again, I think that attention, uh, the attention mechanism that we have in our brain, the attentional machine is uh, something that's real. It's not something that's imaginary. It's, it's, it's part of what we've been gifted uh, as creatures. Uh, and, and it's, it's able to, it allows us to create a spotlight and put it on detail that we want to see, um, and then help us create a way to use that detail to solve problems, to live the way we want to live and so on. So this, this is all, you know, it's a real mechanism in the brain. Uh, and one of the things that I think that attention is able to do is, is bring us peace, as, as, as you mentioned, uh, because, because it allows us to be able to, at any given moment, do a spot check with how we're feeling internally what our needs are at that particular moment, what our needs have been in the past in that particular moment, and how we want things to turn out down the line as a result of this particular moment, and match that up with the detail that's available to us in our external environment and make sure that they're in sync. So we're the person we want to be now. It also helps us do the same exact thing with, you know, kind of like forecast planning. So I can plan my life tomorrow, a week from now, 10 years from now, by using my attentional mechanism, looking at detail. But again, the directions to look are internal and external, lining them up, syncing them up. And it, it allows us to see how we're and strategize how we're going to get there and it allows us to see what works. It allows us to see what doesn't work and to create a brain that'll support the life that we want to live. Because we all know by now, this is indisputable. We all know by now that, you know, the brain is constantly reconstructing itself. And it's going to do that whether we're in control or not. So if I abdicate control to my environment, the people around me, uh, you know, what's going on in the country, et cetera, et cetera. If I abdicate control, then it's going to set up the brain that's steering me into the present moment and into the future. Or I could do it myself. You know, the choice is ours. Uh, you know, like you say in your book, the choice is ours. You know, how do we want it? Do we want somebody else setting up our master control or do we want to set it up ourselves? Well, we need to set up uh, another interview because uh, we could go on and on. And uh, I think this is great. We need to be elaborating on these things. 
One of the things I want to remind our listeners of is, of course, that this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are talking with Dr. Joseph Cardello, and uh, we are talking about his work and his books. JosephCardello.com is, is the website. We want you to go there, find out more. We also uh, encourage you to participate in, as I've mentioned it a couple of times in the program, uh, the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. And uh, we would uh, ask you to take that time. We also ask you to pay attention. That's going to help you, too, as, as uh, our, our guest today pro uh, on the program is, has alluded to, that, uh, yeah, you can find this. Pick up a copy of his book through his website. Uh, look at all of his work that he's doing. And also, we encourage you to uh, listen to the program Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at uh, richarddugan.com, podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and uh, uh, other locations you folks are reposting our interviews too, and I thank you for doing that. We also uh, encourage you, if you can do so, to support us financially. We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your support as well as ours. And uh, we ask that uh, uh, you, uh, uh, you do what you can uh, we'll take energetic support. Any one of the five energies would be great, and I will learn how to zip and unzip and and uh, utilize that energy in a in a very good way for the benefits of this program and the work that we're doing here. Uh, Joseph Cardello, I uh, thank you again for joining us on the program. And of course, as we always do, regardless of a return visit or not, um, we ask these three questions at the end of the program, which you did answer the last time you were on the program. But sometimes the answers change. And uh, the first of those three questions is, who is Joseph Cardello? You know, I'm going to answer him just about the same, I think, because I, uh, you know, although, uh, you know, we, we change certain things, but, you know, I think that, you know, when, when I consider myself, my life, I, you know, I want to put myself as, you know, as uh, a husband to my wife and father to my children, um, you know, and fellow creature to the creatures that, you know, surround me and, and all those that don't and a fellow journeyman to all the, the, the people, um, uh, that, that are in this same journey on the same planet with us now and have been in the past and will be in the future. What is, uh, 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 the second question is what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, what I want to do is, I, you know, I've been exploring this idea uh, of energy uh, and how it affects us in terms of how it can mess us up. Because a lot of the things that happen to us in our lives that we just go, wow, you know, what just happened there? <laughs> you know, why did that happen? You know, uh, can be explained if we just understand the energy that affects us and the attention that we're paying to it on a daily basis. So, you know, we can understand that uh, whether it's something that messed us up or something that made us more productive, more creative, uh, uh, more joyful. Um, and I want to take this information that is in the science community, uh, is in the community of philosophers and won't really enter the public conversation, won't enter our homes for household use for another five or 10 years. I want to take that information and put it on people's 
breakfast table so that they can start discussing it tomorrow and start using it in a way that makes sense to them to make their lives better immediately. Why wait five, 10 years for this to potentially show up in a news story on, on, on some channel on their television that's telling you about scientific advancements when we really know about these now? You know, there's no point in waiting. And some of us are in a position where we really can't wait. Um, because of what's going on in our lives. And we need this information now. And it can make our lives healthier. It can make them, our lives happier. It can make our attention sharper, our memory sharper. Uh, it, it can make us more successful in whatever we're trying to do now. That, that's my goal, uh, is, to, is to get out there, do the legwork, and put this on, on people's breakfast table. The final question is, what is your life's purpose um, I think that, that my life's purpose is, um, you know, is to find out what that, that purpose is. And it's, it's, for me, it, it changes, um, in some ways it changes, um, in some small ways, uh, on a, on a, I don't want to say a day by day basis, but, but probably a monthly basis, um, if not close to a day by day basis. Um, but I think that the overall purpose, uh, is to in some way do good for myself and, and for people around me in some way is to understand. Um, I, and I hope I, I achieve this. This is the long range purpose in some way to understand, um, and if not understand to feel, to get in touch with, because I think there are things we can feel that we don't understand, but we can feel them nonetheless um, uh, to, to understand or feel from whence I came, you know, where, 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 where did I and all the other creatures on this planet come from? What is that? What is that about? And it would just be the frosting on the cake if you could understand where we're headed. So I, I firmly believe that, 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 that we have something that precedes us into this material world. And I firmly believe that we have something that will usher us out into wherever that was that preceded us. And, and I believe we can understand and feel that in various ways. I think we can feel it possibly more than we can understand it. Um, and I don't know that we'll ever fully understand it, but I think it's a quest worth pursuing. And so that, that would be my, my purpose, I guess, would be pursuing those two directions. I want to thank you again for joining us on the program. It's been a great pleasure, and I look forward to having you back again to talk more about these subjects. And we just scratched the surface of some of the things that, that you wanted to talk about as well. Uh, but I'm very pleased with, uh, with the outcome of this particular program, and I hope you are too. 
very much. Thank you, Rich. Uh, before I let you go, I, I'm, I'm going to put this to you. And every so often I feel led to do this. Is there a particular message at this time that you feel led to leave with our listeners uh, that uh, that we haven't already said? If we've already said it, great. If not, uh, is there something that you'd like to impart as we part? <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I feel that, that again, I, I feel that understanding how attention works upstairs and how we can use it has to do with everything that we do and that we try to regulate and everything that happens to us that we feel we had no control over. I think that has to do with everything. And I think that it's going to lead us all to the next step of wherever we are trying to be. And I think that, that, um, that there are levels of energy that we still haven't really explored well enough. I don't know that we ever will, but uh, that, that we haven't explored well enough that we can start using our attention mechanism to, and I'm not talking about scientists or just philosophers. I'm talking about people like you, me, and the, and the, and the home with our families, that we can start to put ourselves in touch with that energy and use it to do things to improve our lives even though at this point we don't know how it works that we don't know how it works but we can still use it to do good things because we can feel it i don't have to know it i can feel it and that that's a different area um when i write about attention this is something we all know about it's a real mechanism it's a bio physical psychological mechanism that we can control and but we can use that as the flashlight to find that energy out there that has an effect on everything that we've talked about including where we were where we are and where we're headed we can use our attention to find that i think that attention is important even when we sleep and i think that attention is important in a spiritual world that you know we can explore it's a fine tool. <laughs> well, once again, uh, Dr. Joseph Cardello, I thank you for joining us here on the program. It's been a great pleasure to have you here. And I thank you for listening to and watching. We're on YouTube. Don't forget about that. Richard Dugan, tell me your story on YouTube. That's the channel where you can see and hear these, uh, these interviews. And I hope you will do that. I hope that you will join us uh, on our next broadcast, podcast, videocast. And until then... Love to love.